This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we bring on our good buddy. He is a friend. I'd call him a mentor as well. He is Chris Fedor. What's up, buddy? How are you? What's up, man? How are you? I'm very well. All right, let's start with Browns because you don't get to talk Browns enough. So you're stuck. You come on these shows. You're always talking Cavs and all that, as you should. You do cover them. What do you think of the Conklin signing? I think it's fine. I mean, I understand that he's aging and maybe he's not the same player that he was. And by the end of this contract, it may not be one that looks as great. But I think keeping the offensive line together and eliminating the number of questions that you'll have along the offensive line going into the offseason is a good thing. And I think on top of that, he has said that he wanted to finish his career in Cleveland, and this gives him an opportunity to do that. So with the question that the Browns have at left tackle with Jedrick Wills, especially going into the offseason, I think having a level of stability and a level of comfort with somebody like Conklin is a good thing for a team that, that needs to make sure that that offensive line remains a strength. So then what do you – you've invested now in right tackle. You invested in yeah. left guard. You've invested in right guard. What are you doing with left tackle? Are you coming back right. with Jedrick Wills and seeing what happens there, or are you going to sniff around? No, I mean, I think the Browns are in a position right now, Dan, where it's, okay, we're going to explore our options, and the question becomes, can we upgrade that spot? Can we upgrade that spot externally? Can we upgrade that spot internally? Can we get the kind of coaching for him with another offseason with Bill Callahan that's going to get him to the level that we drafted him to be at? Those are the questions that the Browns have to ask, but I don't think it's well, he's earned that left tackle spot, it's his, and we're not going to search for an upgrade. No, I mean, I think the Browns deserve to look for an upgrade. I think they owe it to themselves to look for an upgrade as well. Um, and I think, I don't know this for sure, but I think they're probably going to decline his fifth-year option um, and, and make him prove that he belongs as, as the starting left tackle. But it's obviously hard for them in the situation that they're in where their first-round pick is going to the Houston Texans. All right, and I swear this is the last Browns question, and we will go to Cavs. All right. If they decline Jedrick Will's fifth-year option, what does that mm-hmm. tell you about Andrew Barry, the general manager? Um, I mean, it doesn't look good, obviously. No, it, it doesn't, because that felt like they're, you know, and especially the way that they've gone and, and the fact that they won in 2020 on top of that, that was like their yeah. big swing. You know, this was our guy to be the franchise who is going to take over, and yes, taking over for a Hall of Famer. So our standards are incredibly high, but yeah. this was the guy to sure up this position. But here's the thing. I was talking to 
an NBA executive about this the other day, Dan, because we were actually talking about Masai Ujiri of the Toronto Raptors. And I think it's unfair um, to be effusive with your praise over an executive based on one move. Just like I think it's unfair to define them by one miss as well. And I said the same thing during the Kobe Altman era when a lot of people were getting on Kobe. Like, you have to look at the totality of his moves and how that has um, led to success or failure. And I do think that the Browns are at a position right now where their success and failure is more about the team dynamic and what their win-loss record is, because I think they're ready for that level of judgment. Um, So I think you have to look at the totality of his moves. And it can't just be, all right, one move, one draft pick with Jedrick Wills. It's got to be all of the moves that he has made since taking over and then making a determination based on that whether he's the right guy moving forward. Um, And I, I think that remains to be seen because I think there are some hits there on that resume and there are also some glaring misses. I don't think he's been great. I don't think he's been a disaster. I think he's just been okay at this point of his tenure. Yeah, we were talking a little bit about it earlier in the show. I gave him a B minus as a general manager, and I feel like that's yeah, like it's just okay. Yeah, like that's fine. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I fine. graduated with a college degree with a B minus GPA, and I was quite proud of that fact. <laughs> so, but I don't know. I mean, Poobah was crazy enough to hire me, so that's gotta count for something. All right, Cavaliers. <laughs> Five-game win streak. What has changed with this team in the last five games from where we started that is making them so successful and especially successful when they're going up against a team like the Bucs who's got, you know, one of the the NBA champions of a few years ago and Doncic and the the Mavericks and and the big boys, and not only are they hanging with them, but they're beating them. I think they've just grown up, Dan. They've they've learned things. And sometimes you learn through failure, and that's okay. And the Cavs lost some games early on in the year where it seemed like they were going to win because they couldn't close them out because they didn't know what they were doing in fourth-quarter situations because they were still trying to work through things. I think coming into the year, a lot of people would have said, hey, if the Cavs were 21-11, and 32 games in, a lot of people would have taken that because they had some growing pains. Um, because Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell had to figure things out. And I wrote about this the other day. Experience is the Cavs' greatest enemy. They aren't Boston. They aren't Milwaukee. They aren't Brooklyn. They aren't Philadelphia. They haven't seen the same things that those teams have seen. They haven't felt the same things that those teams have felt. They haven't experienced the same things that those teams have experienced. And the only way that you're going to get better, the only way that you're going to speed up that learning curve is by going through them. So they need games like Wednesday night against Milwaukee Bucks, where Milwaukee is rallying from behind in the fourth quarter and they cut it to five and the arena gets tense and the players start thinking, oh, here we go again, right? Because that's the way that you learn. And that's going to benefit them in March and April and May and June if they're lucky enough to get there. But I think they're a young team that is starting to figure these things out with repetition, with experience. And Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell have been better together than they were at the beginning of the season. And it seems like they have found something, some level of consistency at the small forward spot. They're not 
saying to themselves, is it Karis LeVert? Is it Lamar Stevens? Is it Isaac Okoro? Is it Jetty Osman? They believe in Lamar Stevens as the starter, and if it's not him, it's probably going to be Isaac Okoro. So there are just like a lot of things that they have gone through early on in the season that they have figured out because they have gotten the experience that they lacked at the beginning of the year, the experience that they need throughout the course of this year. Chris Fedor, Cleveland.com, and a plane dealer joining us on the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. What do you – the biggest question that I had, especially with the backcourt of Garland and Mitchell, it, it wasn't mm-hmm. the offensive end because I figured that I they'd get that together. It's too too good of – too talented of players to figure that out. What do you make of the defensive almost like step forward that Donovan Mitchell has taken, especially compared to what he did in Utah? He deserves a lot of credit. His defensive metrics, Dan, are the best that they've ever been throughout the course of his career. And he is doing things from an intensity level that he just did not do in Utah. Let's be honest about it. He has a level of care on the defensive end with the Cavs that he didn't have in Utah. And I think he was physically and mentally exhausted being with the Utah Jazz. And I think being here in Cleveland has obviously rejuvenated him, I think, because he doesn't have as much pressure on him on the offensive end that allows him to expend a little bit more energy on the defensive end of the floor because things are easier for him offensively. Um, He can take on some of those challenges on the defensive end. That certainly helps. But I think it also helps him to have the protection of Evan Mobley and Jarrett Allen behind him. Both Evan and Jarrett should be in the conversation for defensive player of the year. I'm not saying that they're going to win it. I'm not saying that they should be the front runner. Jared Allen, to me, has, has shown that his impact at both ends of the floor, but especially on the defensive end, is immeasurable for the Cavs. But having that level of trust behind you, having that level of protection behind you, is even a little bit different than what Donovan had in Utah. Yeah, he had Rudy Gobert, and he was a tower. But there also were some other weak points on that defense um, that, that exploited some of his limitations as well. And I think because of the team that he's on, a defensive-minded team with two elite rim protectors, it allows him to do different things on the perimeter defensively than he was able to do um, throughout his career with the Jets. What are your thoughts on the growth of Evan Mobley to this point? I think he's been great. I don't understand this idea that, that Evan hasn't taken a leap because I believe he has, and I understand that his production, his counting numbers are very, very similar to his rookie season, but he's averaging 15 and nine while also being critical to them being the number one defense in the NBA. He's averaging 15 and nine while shooting like 55% from the field and continuing to grow offensively. He's gotten more comfortable offensively. He's gotten more comfortable in the post. He goes to that baby fadeaway, which is really, really nice. He's starting to get more comfortable at the three-point line, he's rebounding and running and pushing the ball in transition, and he's operating as a hub offensively, doing things and being used in, in a way that he wasn't as a rookie. Um, so I think Evan is always going to be the kind of guy that his impact is going to be felt more on a possession-to-possession basis and a night-to-night basis that may not always show up in the box score, Dan. There are things that he does that help the Cavs both offensively and defensively that just don't show up in the box score. And you have to watch the game to see his nightly impact. And if you look at the advanced metrics on the defensive end of the floor, 
they point to him being a really, really impactful defender. So when he's giving you 15 and nine and having that kind of impact on the defensive end of the floor and, and making the Cavs um, part of what they are as the number one defense in the NBA, I don't know how you could look at what he's accomplished in year two and say he hasn't grown. I believe that he has. It's just subtle incremental growth. It's funny you say that because I was going to throw you my two theories of why people are always questioning Evan Mobley. One of them is the fact that, A, they're not watching and looking at the box score. Right. And the second one of those is the fact that when he came out, people did something that they should never, ever, ever do. And it's when he came out that compared him to Tim Duncan. And everybody sat back there and went, okay, if you're going to be Tim Duncan, then we got to put you at the block so you can keep hitting that 15-footer and have the baby hook over each shoulder and work your way through and average 22 a game and 15 rebounds and a couple assists and steals and blocks and all that stuff along the way. And, man, that is a a heavy, heavy, heavy load that you're asking someone who is 20 years old to do. And I wonder how much that plays into it. Well, I think the other thing, Dan, is that he is on a team that has playoff aspirations, a team that is a legitimate title contender. So it's not like he's in a situation like Jalen Green, for example, where Jalen Green can get any shot he wants, he can get any usage he wants, and his stats are going to be really, really gaudy, or Franz Wagner or Paolo Banquero. Same situation, right? Most nights, Evan is going to be the fourth most involved offensive player that they have behind Donovan Mitchell, behind Darius Garland, and yes, even behind Jared Allen. Jared Allen is involved in like every possession that the Cavs have on the offensive end, setting a screen, vertical spacing, lob threat, all that kind of stuff. If you look at Evan, he's probably going to get somewhere between like six and 14 shots a game, and that's probably going to fluctuate based on the matchup, based on how the other guys have it rolling. So he's just not going to get the same opportunities in terms of touches and in terms of shot attempts as some of his other peers and some of the other second-year players. And the thing that I'll say is when it comes to development in the NBA, it's not linear, and it's not the same for everybody. Not everybody is going to be in the same kind of situation. Not everybody is going to be set up to have the same kind of impact. But, But that's what it comes down to, Evan. It's impact, right? It's not production. It's impact, and his impact has been um, as as on par with anybody else from his draft class in terms of second-year players. All right, buddy. Best Christmas gift you ever received? Oh, man. That's a really, really good question. I don't know if I've thought that through enough to tell you. Um probably like some pair of shoes that I really, really wanted because I'm a sneakerhead and I'm willing to pay like $400 for Jays. So I would say probably my Jordan 11 Concords that I got recently from my wife. She got those for me for Christmas. I had wanted those as a kid my entire life when they first came out and I couldn't afford them and my parents couldn't afford them and my buddies had them and I always wanted them. So like 20 years later, my wife got those for me, finally. <laughs> that was probably the best gift that I've ever had. That's awesome. That's fantastic yeah. in itself. Chris, you're the man. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. You got it, brother. Anytime. All right. Talk soon. He is Chris Fedor, Cleveland.com and The Plain Dealer. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.